Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Approaching Starbase One, sir. Captain Bridge, we've arrived at Starbase One. Acknowledge number one. Welcome to another edition of Starbase One. So, in the last three episodes, we have gone through what's been happening in the last few years of Star Trek Online, from when we finished with Decade to Starbase One. And joining me is the usual band of misfits. I resent misfits. I mean, come on. Hi, I'm Colin from England, by the way. I'm Tom from Wales, but currently residing in England. I'm still Admiral Aaron, and I'm from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no one outside this podcast is going to get that reference. <laughs> I'm Luke Critter from Western Canada. And the reason for that last remark was because we have a special guest on today, and it is Mike Fatum, also known as Ambassador. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It is so good to be here. <laughs> and yes, the reason for the remark is, of course, the ambassador thought that a certain person was from Europe instead of Canada. It's just that I read his tweets. <laughs> <laughs> That's your first mistake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, what, you, what you need to do, Adam, is put more, like, put about in more. The, you know, I thought I was going with the proper English, the Queen's English. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably where you're going wrong for americans <laughs> that's probably yeah. it you know the amount of times people said at my foundry missions they'd point out certain words and i'm like no that's spelt correctly it's english uh-huh <laughs> too many vowels yes. that's what it is we're doing all the doing all the okay. Okay. posts for holosuite media um of course we've got many americans that just like oh that's wrong it's just like the period is supposed to go inside the quote. And I said, no, it's proper English. You know, the thing that you completely <laughs> wrecked because you were too lazy. And uh, it's called a full stop listen, for a star. Listen. <laughs> listen. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make any bloody sense to put to put the R E at the end of theatre and you know. <laughs> it's the same as the way they spell grey with an I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what has happened with that? So, Mike, for uh, people who live on the other side of the uh, neutral zone, do you want to tell people exactly what you do in relation mm-hmm. to Star Trek Online? Sure. Um, so, I am. Uh, uh, if they didn't mention this already, um, most usually known as Ambassador Kel. Uh, I am the community manager for Star Trek Online, uh, which means uh, my job is everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. Uh, um, uh, I do um, 
let's see. Uh, I write all the blogs. Uh, yes, that's my <laughs> fault. Uh, I do most of the marketing images, um, except for a few on occasion. Uh, I write um, uh, some of the. There's some stuff I write in game, but not much. Um, mostly, I'm a writer for Champions Online. Uh, I also um, organize events. I uh, uh, let's see. Do grammar I, lessons um, on Twitter? Uh, I mo- yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I uh, I watch the forums and Twitter for problems people might be having and how I can help, uh, and uh, and Reddit obviously. Uh, and yeah, um, that's kind of that's kind of my whole deal. Um, uh, and I'm, uh, lots of other stuff that I'm sure I haven't thought of right now <laughs> because I, being a community manager in gaming means you're doing the job of about seven people. <laughs> Have you ever posted anything in Champions that should have been in Stoke and vice versa? Uh, yes, of course. Of course. I, uh, I have a program that's supposed to help me take care of that. Um, but uh, my Champions social posts can't be made in my social media program the way that my uh, uh, Star Trek posts can, and everything just gets confusing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> as someone who also manages an awful lot of channels and everything else I feel your pain <laughs> uh, especially since TweetDeck also made it that you couldn't like or do something from multiple accounts by just putting up one pop-up mm-hmm. 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 That, that, that ruined my life like, seriously <laughs> I know they want the, each account to be on its own and it tries to stop spammers and everything else but, oh, when you manage a lot of channels it really is a pain in the yeah. ass. Just as something as simple as like it. Yeah, well, especially when we have to send something out um, that's like a maintenance notice that affects both champs and um, uh, and STO. And like sometimes, uh, you know, Julia's on vacation and I'm covering her socials for her and something like that will come up. And it's like, okay, well, I used to be able to just click all of these channels and post something to Neverwinter and Champs and Stowe uh, all at the same time. And now it's like, okay, copy-paste... But it, I mean, it doesn't take that much longer. But so how how has the current <laughs> situation in California affected how you can work then? Because I mean, you've got you've got um, a lot of things going. You've got COVID. You've got the fires and everything. So there's a lot to deal with at the yeah. moment. Well, there's there's been a lot. Um, it's been nuts. Um, we settled into working from home pretty quick quickly thankfully um like that was you know the day that the shelter in place order got in place uh, our ceo sent an email that was just like go home we'll figure <laughs> it out later um and we we our it team is uh insanely good and they got us all up and running from home uh within like a week like it was it was insane how quick that that happened um and uh yeah, um, that's been working pretty well. It's hard because everybody's doing, you know, like uh, everybody's doing, um, you know, having to take care of their kids or um, dealing with other stuff, working from home. Uh, and it's just sort of a uh, it's just sort of a mess um, in terms of trying to schedule yourself when you're working from home. I'm sure you guys all know. Uh, and so, like, we're we're working at the highest efficiency we can, but that's still not quite enough, uh, you know, to keep things at the schedule it would have been, which is why the summer event was so late this year because, uh, house divided got pushed back a little bit. Um, and so that just kind of all rolled together into 
Yeah, all of that. And then, of course, as you mentioned, um, half of our state caught fire uh, this week and or a couple weeks ago. Um, and a lot of people who work at Cryptic live in the path of the fires. Uh, thankfully, I think everybody from our company who had to evacuate is now home and safe and their house wasn't burned down, which is wonderful. But like, you know, there was a, someone on the STO team, uh, for example, who was, uh, living and trying to work out of a hotel for like a week and a half because they, they had had to grab all their birds and all their people and just get out as quick as possible. Uh, which is scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah. See, we get, we get, we get fires here in England, but, they're only on the moors and all that sort of sparsely populated anyway, so we, we don't have to deal with anything yeah. that, you know, people in North America have to deal well, with. I mean, it's just all getting worse uh, with climate change and how badly we've screwed up the environment. You know, it's just uh, you're getting uh, the hurricanes are worse, the fires are worse. Yeah, even the tornadoes just, are worse. Just rolling. Yeah, which fire tornadoes, fire tornadoes. Who allowed this? Uh, yeah. yeah yeah that's i've seen somebody actually american humor did make me laugh the other day somebody in kansas uh tweeted a funnel uh, of a tornado and they says normally i just think this is a funnel for a tornado but it's 2020 so it's probably low-key <laughs> <laughs> 2020 probably a swarm of locusts <laughs> making itself yeah. into tornado form or murder murder hornets so the main uh, reason that I invited Mike to join us today is because we're talking about Klingons. So, ah, so a subject that I know Mike is very fond of. Now, Star yes. Trek Online, we've got through to a review of what went up to season nineteen, and with which, by the way, may I say, it was really fun listening to the show, the last two episodes, um, because, you know, I, while I knew a lot of the stuff that had gone on and how people felt about a lot of the stuff that had gone on before I, uh, I started working here, it was cool to hear all the perspective on that. And then, uh, you know, we reached to, like, oh, that's where I started <laughs> working. I remember season, yeah. you know, uh, whatever season it was that I got started in 2016. Uh, and so it was fun to kind of go from, like, oh, I wonder what the behind-the-scenes story on that was, too. I know the behind-the-scenes story on that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we thought it'd be something different, sort of an old podcast becoming new, big gap. So it was a way to sort of get everybody up to speed, because also for a lot of us, we've because of personal reasons, we've been in and out of the game. So it's good just to try and remember where a lot of this stuff came from. And with myself getting back in game, it's also going back to play old content. It's like um, even got a fleet event coming up with some friends where um, next week we're going to head down to Defira and just do a load of the um, team events down there. Oh, nice. So, it also uh, gives people who, who newly come into the game if they happen to download the podcast, it gives them an overview. Yeah, which is nice. So, um, so yeah, so now we're sort of catching up to where 2020 starts, and Don't this started off. Doom. <laughs> yeah. So of course, this started the year of Klingon, and that began with season 20, House Divided. So <laughs> now yeah. it's almost as if they planned it, you know, cryptic season 20 in 2020. 
<laughs> I wish we'd planned that. <laughs> it would have been more appropriate if it was the year of hell in 2020. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, more. that's more than a two-parter, though. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that should have actually been a whole year, but hey. Now, one of the things that I'd got a question of, which you might be able to answer. Now, Star Trek Online had revamped stuff for the Klingons yeah. before. And that mm-hmm. was when Legacy of Romulus came out, if I recall correctly. They'd done um, a fair amount of revamp to the missions and some touch-ups and things like that. But it still didn't get played. So I never thought we would get content like this for Year of Klingon. Because hmm. from talking to previous developers and people who work at Cryptic and Perfect World, it always seemed that people still weren't playing it after they put a load of work in, so it wasn't something that they would sort of invest more time in down the line. So are you able to tell us a bit about how Year of Klingon came about? Whose idea was it? Um, I don't know off the top of my head whose idea it was. I know... um, uh, this storyline that began in House Divided, um, well, that was all Al, um, uh, Captain Gecko, and that's uh, been percolating in his head forever. Basically, I think um, uh, since at least since Discovery Season 1, we've been talking about um, what this idea is and where it's going to go. Uh, and so that's... Um, blah, blah, blah. And so that's where that started. I don't know where the idea of upgrading all of the old Klingon content came from, except that I know it was probably Andre, um, only because Andre is, um, uh, his big thing is, one of his big things is really pushing to make sure that all of the game holds up to the standards that we hold up, hold up to it now. So like, you know, our, um, uh, he, that's the reason why a lot of the older missions got pulled when we started Age of Discovery because we wanted to make sure that people uh, had the, you know, the right experience playing the game, um, and it wasn't just uh, uh, it wasn't just like, hey, you get you start and there's this new Discovery tutorial and it's awesome, and then you dive right into a Klingon uh, Civil War or not Civil War Klingon War storyline that hasn't been touched in five ten years. Um, and so, like, I think that's probably where the idea came from, which is if we're going to do a Klingon-focused story, people are going to want to make Klingon characters, so we better make sure that the Klingon stuff is up to snuff. Um, I, I'm, that's my guess. Um, that's why I think where I think that came from, and I'm, that, I, my guess would be that came from Andre, because um, that's his kind of thing. Um, but yeah, um, we knew we were doing a whole year-long Klingon storyline. We knew we were doing a bunch of updates to the tutorial and the early Klingon experience. And so myself and uh, Michael Clark, who's our brand manager over at PWE, um, and Thomas were sitting down to talk about how we were going to market this stuff. And um, I'm going to take credit for it, because I think it was me who actually said the words Year of Klingon first, (laughs) but I don't know for sure. (laughs) So I'll just take the credit, and no one can dispute it, because no one else is here. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I, uh, I... that's sort of where we came for that. Like, you know, okay, it's going to be the year of Klingon, um, and uh, we're going uh, to we're going to focus this whole year um, as much as we can on doing cool Klingon stuff and making storylines for Klingons. Um, the uh, of course, you know, as soon as we announced that, 
uh, that led to some of the usualness because people started saying, well, like, okay, if it's the year of Klingon, why are you releasing Federation ships? Uh, yes. <laughs> because, guys, it's, 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 we still have to, yeah. okay. It's just like, okay. <laughs> 99% of people play Federation, and we still need exactly. to cater for those people who give us the money to do all the other stuff. <laughs> right, and you know, it's to to um to your point earlier about like you know we've we've done Klingon updates before, and we still haven't gotten a lot of the play on it. It's we're just we just sort of expect that, um you know the uh, um the Klingon uh, or the typical Star Trek fan plays Star Trek online because they want to play the shows that they love and they want to be a part of that. And there hasn't yet been, uh, until, you know, the wonderful day where that might come, uh, there hasn't yet been a, uh, a Klingon TV show. I want one. I want one so bad. But, like, if you're going to play a Star Trek TV show, you're playing a, a Federation officer, and that's where it's just people naturally Yeah, I think the closest that. we've got to a Klingon show was actually Discovery, because I yeah. think... Even though Klingons have been in more or less every series since TOS, we've yeah. got more background and more information about the Klingons in Discovery than we have on anything else. Yeah, it's Discovery and Deep Space Nine, really, that did the deep dive. TNG. Well, they weren't actually TNG, supposed to be yeah. in TNG. G- G- yeah, Gene Roddenberry didn't oh, want really? Klingons in TNG, um, which is why they bought the Ferengi, because the Ferengi was supposed to be the new Klingons. But they made such a but mess of the Ferengi that they brought the Klingons back in. <laughs> and I then saw... later on they brought the Rumblings back Oh, so you back. mean, you mean, so you mean, okay, I, I see what you mean. Not that, the, that, not that there were no Klingons who were supposed to appear at all, just that... No, the main protagonist in TNG uh, was supposed to be the Ferengi. Yeah, and I'd, I'd heard that as well, yeah. but I heard that it wasn't yeah. that they brought in more Klingons to deal with that, it was they brought in the Borg to actually be um, a decent enemy. Well, the, the Borg was because yeah. the, the original um, was supposed to be the insects that took over your, you know, and had, had the tail sticking out your neck. Um, but then because of the cost involved, they thought, mm, hang on, that's going to be really expensive to keep that going. And that, that's what gave birth to the Borg. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I don't know. I, I, you know, my lore on behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. is not. I mean, me personally, I tried to as Borg many who work for than what they plan to do because I think the Borg are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love too. the Borg. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are crying out, especially for Star Trek Online, um, is for more Borg content. Because um, I, um, I know, well, I always feel that if you ever need to do um, a TFO, I still keep going to see, um, say, STF. Um, <laughs> if you ever just want to get something really fast to kick off, it's always the Borg missions. Um, and for well, me now, personally, now you've got the stuff favorite. in the Lobby store, um, you can actually you can keep your, your, your tune out as a Borg. Yeah, exactly. We uh, we we touched base on that on the last episode about how how grateful I am for that because <laughs> as a lifetime sub, I joined later on to the lifetime sub. So my character yeah. in the Foundry was always kind of a liberated Borg. So having those parts have been able to make my main character more like my Foundry character. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love those parts in the Lobby Store. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Um... Everybody loves more Borg, wants more Borg content. We do, 
want to do more Borg content somewhere down the line. Um, I think what happened was uh, we we had this opportunity, like, because I think what Alice said before publicly that his idea was to do some more Borg stuff after Victory is Life, because Victory is Life was always meant to be the end of the Zen Cafe storyline, um, and uh, you know we did um, uh, blah blah blah. Uh, so, but then we had this opportunity to line up with Discovery and possibly get some new people to play the game. You know, it's the first new Star Trek show in however many years. Um, I think 11 at that point. Uh, so it was, um, you know, we jumped on that and we did a year of that. We did our expansion over time, which was, you know, a whole year of expansion stuff. Um, and then, uh, oh, during that time, we had the thought for this Klingon storyline. And I think that's really sort of where we ended so up in relation to discovery which is obviously what's led to the klingon content we've got now with season three dropping at the end of the year because of covid you know 2020 mm-hmm. um how how yeah. quick do the team watch the new season and think right what we're going to do with this generally because our relationship with cbs is is so good generally we um actually watch uh uh we like get some of the plots in advance so like you know al and our writer paul and thomas will go to um la for meetings obviously not now but um and uh get sort of uh um you know get like an idea of what's coming for the season um you know what kind of things they're expecting and then cbs sends us some assets in advance but uh it's sometimes harder to get all of those assets together um so they're um uh blah, blah, blah. sometimes we get things really far in advance um like some of the uh, uh lower deck stuff we had really early um sometimes we find out something's in the show uh when we see it in the show um and so that's why sometimes things take a little while to get out there um and it's just because it's a giant company on their end and they're trying to do you know a million things and handle a million different licensees um so they'll send us what they can got a question for you then when when you finally see something on the big screen and let's let's take a look at picard as that example and suddenly there is a little bit of retconning necessary Mm -hmm. or altering to the sto storyline to be able to accommodate that. Did you give any consideration or was there consideration is could they merge it with what STO has already done or is it something brand new and we'll have to retcon it at a later date? It depends. Um, we did have story meetings with, um, uh, with CBS. I know they specifically asked us to send them everything we had on the Romulans um, before Picard started writing. Uh, and so Thomas put together this amazing story Bible on everything STO had done with the Romulan Republic and sent that off to them. Um, but it's also like, as a writer, I totally understand. It's like, um, to use a, a sacrilegious example, it's like when um, Disney took over Star Wars and wiped out the EU. You know, I, I understand that impulse as much as I might have been like, you know, don't get rid of it because I loved those stories when I was a kid. Um it's because as a writer, you really don't want to write a story that has to fit with 10 years of somebody else's stuff, unless you absolutely have to. And when it comes to something like a video game or a comic book or even a novel, you know, that stuff was always kind of written with the idea that 
maybe a TV show or a movie will come along one day and contradict it. Um, with STO, we have actually yeah. an easy out that a fan gave us that I, I, I really like, and I know Al really likes. I don't know if it's official, so this isn't canon. But um, somebody was saying, uh, and I wish I could remember who, because I want to credit them, but the reason that Seven of Nine looks one way in the old missions and then looks Picard in the new missions is because we created the Picard timeline or the Picard changes to the Prime timeline by screwing around with time during the Iconian War. A lot of that's that's got potential. So I'm 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 really okay with that as an explanation, and that allows them to do whatever they want in the past, and our stuff still sort of happened. I thought that was actually the smartest thing that um, JJ and Alice Kurtzman, JJ Abrams and Alice Kurtzman and Robert, I forgot his last name, uh, did with the 2009 Star Trek, was to instead of saying you know, oh these are the canon adventures of. Uh, uh, Kirk and Spock when they were younger they just straight up said we're making a new timeline and a new universe so anything we do that seems wrong is because the timeline changed yeah well okay? I've, I've said that in a lot of different conversations because how many times on screen do we see time being changed that just because yeah. say for example in Voyager something where time travel happened in that could have then had a knock-on effect from something that happened in say deep space nine so because of course cisco could have changed something in the past so that's why all these things could actually be different branches so although we see it as yeah. one timeline there is absolutely nothing to say that what we have seen has actually been different timelines yeah, yeah exactly. just also got um, a big reset button you know and i think that i, I i'll just yeah yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the big reset button. And uh, when Midnight came out, it was one of my biggest eternal fears was that it was just going to be a big reset button. And I was so yeah. happy when it wasn't. But um, look, looking back on that, when you say to yourself, um, these all these different timelines have been created because of these different authors at different points in the storyline. I like to think of uh, Star Trek Online as existing outside <laughs> of all of that. So the next yeah. point. You know, where anything is physically possible. It's one of the reasons why um, there are hundreds of, well, I should say, tens of thousands of admirals um, yep. all doing the same mission at the same time. It's just different timelines, yeah. different people. And that, for me, we're a we're Star Trek possibility. Uh, I heard somebody say that at, uh, at um, STLV, and I think that's absolutely on the money. Um, and that's why we didn't go back and change 7 of 9 into Picard 7 of 9 for the Voyager stuff, is because we were like, you know, there's some people who love Picard 7 of 9, and there's some people who love Voyager 7 of 9, and let's just let them play with both versions. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like who wanted uh, um, it, a T6 Connor. Because, and then Discovery came along, <laughs> and you had the new, the Constitution Discovery, and it was the perfect opportunity, and we got right, now we can give them a T6 Connor. <laughs> there was a T6 Cardi yeah but Ford Discovery's got the eternally out. spewing uh, cargo by that scene yes there was unending supply of ships <laughs> which obviously they nicked off Voyager because Voyager had an unending supply of shuttles yeah yeah exactly we just got ship replicators what I love to I was saying this the other day one of the reasons that I like the Klingon tutorial a lot is like in the Federation tutorial they have to bend over absolutely backwards to explain why you get your own ship right at the beginning and in the Klingon tutorial yeah. it's I killed this guy this is my <laughs> ship now <laughs> but with 7 um, of 9 I always took that sort of 
I think the Voyager one, that's still in 2409. But of course, we're now into 2411. So two years have gone yeah. past. Obviously, stuff has happened in that time. But also, That's true. But Picard takes place before 2409. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it could have always been that just because of what was happening at that particular point, she would, and sort of how she was, because of course, that was more civilian wear that we saw her in on those missions. But of course, she was just sort of coming along to those things. It wasn't as if she was posted on Voyager where she was going back in that. So, so yeah, Mo- there's always ways you can fit it all in. To Mike, in the game reacts to what CBS do in regards to the TV and what Paramount do in regards to the movies. So when they bought out the yeah. secret secret tell she are in Picard, did people scratch their heads and think, yeah, what are we going to do with this? Yeah, definitely. There's always been a little bit of that. Um, uh, you know, we, like I said, we know sort of what CBS is doing. Uh, you know, most of the time they gave us they gave us a heads up on the whole story of Picard, so we knew God, about we're that. We're gonna have to advance. take you like and get drunk. Uh, but ah, <laughs> 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 uh, um, remind me to tell you the story of the Kelpians sometime. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, um, we, uh, why am I having so much trouble finishing sentences today? Because <laughs> I'm here and I'm Canadian. <laughs> this is a professional interview. We, 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 My okay, Canadianness um, is rubbing off on you. We can fix it in the editing. Yeah, yeah, Don't worry. That must be it. I, I made fun of your typing, and now I can't speak. Um, yeah, make me sound good in the edit, please. But leave in the part where I said make me sound good in the edit. <laughs> oh, it will be there. Trust me. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, the, the new Romulans in Picard. About? Right, yeah. So we have uh, we have some thoughts on that. Um, we haven't decided to dive into that. If we do another big Romulan story, we'll probably include the Val... Sh- Val... Val what now? Jad Vash. Jad Vash. Um, and I know we've got some ideas of Jadvash, like items and weapons and other cool stuff that we would the, want to the do. The Picard leading book, yeah. just as a heads up for people who haven't read it, if they want to know more about um, the backstory in the Picard leading book, they, they delve into that big time. So, it, And it features the Star Trek Online uniforms. Oh, oh, that's right, yeah, yeah and our ship. So that must have been part of the stuff yes. that yeah. Thomas yeah. gave, possibly with the artwork. It is, and that was also because of our relationship with IDW. Um, we did a lot of uh, work with them uh, early on. Um, uh, yeah, and so we've been we've been working pretty closely with their team. But yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. It's like Star Trek Online uniforms. Very Yay. cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Stow is canon. Uh, so the the Holy Grail, though, for for Star Trek Online fanatics would be some minor call-out, shout-out, reference, background element, or even better yet, the prototype for the Enterprise app showing yep. up on screen. Has there been discussions of using assets from Star Trek Online as a reference point? Yes and no. Um, so, like, for example, um, Riker's ship, the... Uh, God, what class is it? Um, some Somebody help me out. I, I should know this, but... Yeah, Curiosity class, class, I think? Or... Right. Um yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, that uh, looks like it's based off a lot of STO stuff. And I initially thought, oh, that's an STO ship. That's great. It actually <laughs> is um, a uh, a ship 
um, was designed by John Eaves, who designed a lot of the early STO ships. So that's why it looks like a um, that's why it looks like an STO ship because it's designed by the same person. We we are constantly, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't say pushing, but we're asking and and uh, begging and pleading CBS to uh, to put some more <laughs> of our stuff in the game. There's been some stuff that we've had victories on, but it's mostly comic book stuff. You know, we had. Um, our Iconian symbol in the Star Trek Year Five because we got that over to the people who write that comic uh, and they're awesome. Um, but uh, Jackson Lanzig and Colin Kelly, I believe, are their names. Um, but it's just sort of a, uh, you know, um, you can't, you can't, you can't give can't anything, anything away. away. And we also <laughs> can't. Uh, we can't force them to do stuff. You know, we can ask. We can give them assets. Yeah. We can. Uh, cajole and plead but their writers and designers are going to do what they want to do and I understand why when it comes to like making new ships and things like that that they want to uh, that they want to make their own thing because as an artist you want to do that like you want to create your own stories you want to create your own designs um, there's all kinds of things that you want to have the opportunity to do that you don't necessarily do if you're just saying, okay, well, we're going to take this design from a video game. Um, and so I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is, you know, people saying, I wish, like people, people just, you know, not knowing this, that we're out there. I think a lot of the, uh, uh, the like CG companies and stuff who work on these shows and the designers, it, some of them may not have heard of Star Trek online. I'm always surprised every year for a 10-year-old game, how many people at STLV have not heard of our game? Because I'm like, you guys are Trekkies, you should know about this, but it's, it, there's, uh, of course, we always get a number of people who are like, I don't own a computer, which I'm like, oh, okay, how did that happen? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, um, it, it's, uh, we have a lot of people who know about us, but we, there's more people and probably some people in Hollywood who just haven't heard of us before. Um, if we had, a huge fan on production. Like if somebody was like, if Alex Kurtzman was a huge player of our game, then I bet you in a hot second, there would be, you know, a uh, star Trek online reference somewhere in there, but that's kind of what it takes to get to that point. Speaking of references, <clears throat> I have a question for you. Uh, a couple years ago, um, uh, Will Wheaton actually mentioned star Trek online. And like, I think that was amazing at that time. <laughs> Was that when I tagged him, or was that um, something else? Well, I don't think we ever got a clear answer, but I actually okay. somewhat felt like I might have had something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> you take credit, sir. Well, there was one time that I tagged him. Uh, I tagged him when we released the uh, god-awful, um, uh, purposefully god-awful um, skiing outfit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you know, I had to make sure he knew that that was out there in the world, um, and he did re retweet it and to, uh, uh, in his words, apologize to all of our players. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. I think it was like one of those like videos he was doing. So I think it was before that. Like this was years oh, okay. and years ago. My goodness, I wish I could remember it. He actually, he had a he had like a geek review thing, like a blog stroke YouTube stroke, yeah. And he, yeah. he referenced Star Trek Online in there. So that's what oh, it was. Cool. So I did not know I know that. We I wanted, we asked him, that's, that's brilliant. 
I think that's brilliant. <laughs> well done. We asked him to come and do voices for the game, I want to say, really early on in the game's life. Like, when we, when we were first starting to do celebrity voices, and this is before my time, so I've only heard, you know, legends in the hallway. Apparently, at the time, he was like, you know, I'll, uh, I'm not really interested in playing Wesley again. Um, not, not shockingly, given how we as Trekkies treated him the last time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but we um I, I think he said he was he would be interested in doing some writing for the game and then that kind of all fell through so i would be i would love to see that and i hope we could reach that point at some point yeah that'd be cool it would be it would be interesting to see him back but um from a fan's perspective how would you see him so coming this is, back i mean would it involve the travel yeah so this is going to be going to say from from my perspective i would bring wesley back as kind of an anti q like, because the travelers seem to have kind of the similar, like, all powerful, uh, you know, and doing a season that we had, if we could get John Delancey and Will Wheaton in the same season, uh, that would oh, be dope yes. as hell. And doing kind of a kind of an all powerful beings war, uh, and also finally getting John Delancey to do the Q dialogue for the winter <laughs> event. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm always interested. I guess my favorite ideas for storylines are always like, uh, you know what things we can do to um, uh, like pit people against each other. Cause the other one I really want to do is uh mirror Admiral Lita versus um, Captain <laughs> Tilly. <laughs> I want to do that so bad, but uh, yeah, um, I, just, I think that would be the way. Cause he, yes, he was back in nemesis, but technically that's not canon because it's a deleted scene. So we kind of just end up with, well, where did Wesley go after the traveler? I think having Wesley come back, you know, after all that time with everything that he's seen, it would be really cool to get kind of a, because especially if you could keep some of the kind of inherent sarcasm and like snarkiness that Will has uh, in his day-to-day life now uh, and bring that to like an all-powerful God, Wesley. I think that could be a lot of fun. That would be Uh, very cool. You know, give him a chance to play Wesley as, not the fright, the bright-faced kid, but like the tired of all of this crap. Yeah, you could also you could put a twist on it all because do. you could play into the the Q ref episode where they give the powers to Riker, and and Riker gets con- like overcome yeah. by the power because you know, and then Picard comes out with these like power corrupts. So you could have Wesley yeah. with all these powers and being corrupted by him. So it could actually be an evil Wesley. He could. Yeah. Mirror Universe <laughs> mirror Wesley. Wesley. Em- mirror Emperor Wesley. <laughs> yeah, because in the books you've actually got it where he sees things going on and he's not supposed to get involved, but he does yeah. and he sort of breaks the rules. Well, so yeah, when you did the last scene you've got him, it's um, the Cardassians attacking the Native American Indian colony and he steps outside the battle. He steps outside the timeline and the battle's frozen behind him. So that yeah. straight away tells you he can do things that Q can do. Yeah. And so I think that kind of snarky Wesley versus snarky Q with your captain caught in the middle, yeah. that could be a really fun episode. Like you get you get you get stuck on some planet yeah. with both of them trying to influence fate for whatever reason, uh, and put you through some kind of test. Uh, you know, maybe it's some kind of cosmic yeah. wager. And then you could have the new Rumbulance coming to help as well That'd and the old toys up in the boat. Yeah, then we get the yeah, new exactly. Romulan ships, the new Romulans, we get evil Wesley. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, of course, I have uh, absolutely no power over any storylines in Star Trek Online. So what you've just heard is uh, pure speculation. Oh, there's lots of Romulan like players now that hoping maybe, that's all Maybe happen. That. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I, would, I think we want to do more ROM storylines, too. It's just... It's just, I mean, all of our storylines now, from now on, will be designed to be stories that uh, everyone can, um, like, that every, every captain can play. We're never going to do, I would say, unless we're doing a tutorial, and even that feels horribly unlikely at this point, um, we're never going to do something that's just for one faction ever again. But the, the introduction um, tutorials are going to stay, because it's just, it's just, obviously the Klingon one is basically you, you yes. kill your captain, you get a ship. The, the Federation one, like you said, he bends over backwards. Yeah, we're not, we, we would never Romulan get rid of the starting experience. explains how you get a ship because, you know, you steal one, yeah, basically. You yeah. steal one. <laughs> so, um, if we sort of got a bit sidetracked, um, but if we start looking back <laughs> at the Klingon content, so we had part of Season 20 um, submissions added. So one of them was the task force operation called Best Serve Cold. Yes. So now I haven't really played this too often because it's um, one of these where you're protecting um, Ruripenthe, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you're, I think trying to retake Ruripenthe would be a better description because... Yeah. You know they're they're already there and trying to get the prisoners off world. So, because um, wasn't this mission? Trying to think, was this one of the ones that was part of the event? Um, uh, it was. Yeah, everything from the new season was part of the event. The patrols, the mission, the TFO. Right. I do actually it. like the new system for the events where you can play multiple things. It's so nice. I was so happy when they told me that they were going to be able to uh, get that get done for. Um. Uh, sorry for um the summer and winter events as well. Like it's just it's just awesome that we can do that now. And that was a another you know Herculean bit of effort from our uh, programmers and uh, developers to get it going. But it's it's so much well, nicer it's just, <laughs> when you're in there day after day. Oh, definitely yeah, a when you're in there yeah. d- day after day playing exactly the same thing. It's like this mission. I knew exactly right. I'll go. I've got a ship, I've got pets, so literally I park on top of it, I send my pets out to get the things too far away, <laughs> I kill all the ones trying to attack the um, base or satellite, and I literally all I'm doing is spamming spacebar. And then when it comes to them coming to you, again, you just circle around, kill the ones around the edge, park back, fire, <laughs> just like torpedo build, it's just like torpedo spread, <laughs> all gone. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the uh, that's uh, probably the most efficient way to do it. I fly a pilot ship, so I'm you know skating through the atmosphere, <laughs> uh, b- blowing up missiles or ships as they come off of the surface of the planet, backing up and doing barrel rolls to come behind, exploding dilithium freighters. So well, that's always the good thing um, about the different types surely... of ships in the game is when you've got a mix, is you have this ability to do that because that's great for the pilot ships that are fast just to speed through. And then you've got the tanks that just yeah. sit in one place and protect the satellites from going boom. That's that's the best way to do that mission is you have, yes, you exactly. have the big ships, one sits on each satellite, and then you have the TAC, who's by rights, the TACs have normally got the fast ships. And he, he takes out the prisoner ships <laughs> and stuff like that as they're coming up. 
that's the best way exactly. to do it. There's nothing more despairing about that mission than you're sitting on top of your satellite defending it for all you're worth. And as you can see on the bar, yeah. is another one going slowly down towards the red. <laughs> yep. And especially as most of the time you're pugging it. It's just like, can somebody please cover that one? Hello? Somebody please cover. That's another great thing about being in a fast <laughs> little pilot ship, because then I just motor over there, blow up 15 things, come out of cloak, blow up 15 things, yeah, and motor back to where I was. The thing with the it sometimes is so depressing. I mean, I did the Undine mission uh, yesterday yeah. um, on Bajor. Well, you have to interview the 10 people and there was four of us in the team and three of them just stayed in the square and I had to interview all 10 people <laughs> god that's the worst yeah. you know I don't think I've actually I, uh, played that mission <laughs> it's uh it's certainly a it's, mission uh it's you know, when people say uh oh I wish we had more um, you know, non-combat stuff, uh, then we can point them at that mission and say, well, here you go. That's what you get. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest, it was, it was a fun mission. It is. But I've played yeah. it so many times, I've memorized yep. all the outcomes. And that's sort of the problem um, with... It, it, it's, it's, the thing, that's the thing, not the problem, but that's the thing we need to figure out with non-combat missions. It's the same with um, the Before we can do even more of them. Yeah, exactly. You, like... If it's just clicky things or just talking to people, then even if you're a story fan, on the second run, it's just not as exciting as fighting, you know, ships that can actually fly around and do different things and at least make you, you know, think in order to do combat. I think that's why video games have had such a focus on combat yeah. for so long, uh, because that's how it works. Like, you... Um, you know, you, it's easier to make a challenge in that kind of scenario. Um, we have some of the most brilliant game designers on the planet uh, who could probably come up with brilliant ways to do this sort of uh, uh, this sort of like you know um, non-combat like mystery scenarios or things like that. Like Jesse Heinig could design a brilliant non-combat thing, but because we're always sort of you know, laying the tracks before the train as it's running, it gets harder and harder to do do new and interesting stuff that's, like that. That's the thing that I like about the, the new daily system where you have to do three missions per day to to, to boost it. It's not all yeah. about blow ten ships up. Some of it is literally scan ten items in orbit. You know, so you think, oh great, I haven't got yep. to kill like you know sixty freaking scorpions on, you know. <laughs> 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 I don't know if you guys have ever heard I heard a theory the other day that I really liked um, it was actually about Uncharted not our game but it was talking about how like you know if you're playing Uncharted and you actually count out the count out the number of people that like Nathan Drake shoots over the course of that game it's an insanely high body count it's ridiculous um, and it's because they you know you need combat to be one of the puzzles in that game or, or at least combat is designed to be one of the puzzles in that game and what you're actually supposed to think about it is that maybe Nate got into, like, two gunfights over the course of this whole story rather than 20. Um, and I think kind of the same thing is similar in Star Trek Online. Like, I don't... I mean, it's up to you as a player to, to how you want to figure think about it. But in my at least my own headcanon, like, we haven't... You haven't blown up, like... Five million ships. You've gotten into a couple of fights here and there, rather than like a fight every other day for two years. <laughs> Unless you're me. Yeah, but we do get 
You do get accolades, though, for killing off large yeah, volumes true. of people. It's true, because that's video gaming, and that's, you know, our game was designed to be... Yeah. Uh, it was Our game was designed in an era where MMOs were all combat, and it's designed after a lot of the design uh, beliefs that existed back then, and one of those was, you know, it's it should be... An MMO should be a combat game. And I don't know... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there an MMO right now that isn't a combat game? I if there is, I'd love to hear about it. But yeah, no, it I don't think there is. Star Trek, so, you know, it's that's some of the Star Trek toys. Yeah. They're not all boom, boom, bang, bang, pew, pew. And I think people want a bit of... Right, like, and we'd love... The more cerebral stuff, so to speak. I agree. I think there's opportunities to do more of that. I think it's just... We have to figure out... Because, like, okay, so a, a really good example... Um, uh, is when we introduced the Zen Cathy, and in specifics, uh, the TFO, everyone's favorite TFO, Gravity Kills. Um, now, that is also a combat TFO, but that's a TFO that's designed to have a little bit of thinking involved in it, to like have a little bit of strategy to, you know, at the tiniest bit, which is get the particles. For God's sakes, just get the particles. Yeah, the um, amount of people and, that still. Like, people, <laughs> Just, people warp into that mission, they, they don't read the dialogue, stuff. and they start start gravity-welling Zenkefi. And it's just like, guys, guys. And so, like, that's what I, you know, I worry about. I don't know. It's a hard balance. And I, as I'm not a game designer, I don't know how to hit that balance myself. I know our team works really hard on trying to tell Star Trek stories uh, while also... Um, trying to uh while also trying to balance the needs for the gameplay that people are leveling towards i mean most of the players in our game uh you know read loot critters blog to figure out how to get the best deeps uh and so when you've spent hours and money on uh how to how to get your super high deep score how do you then like how will you then react to a mission that's doesn't have any explosions in it. And I don't know. People might love it. Um, well, a lot of people love uh, Sunrise and uh, maybe not Sunrise, It's but it's the two Lucari missions that are like mostly exploration. Uh, and I love those too. Uh, yeah. They're excellent, but they're not repeatable. Yeah. That's the thing. Is you, if you, after you've done it a few times, yeah. the, the thrill is gone. And as a Star Trek fan, the first time I went through... I slowed myself down, reread everything, sucked up as much as I could because I enjoyed it. But it wouldn't be something that I would want to spend 20 minutes on later on. Just right, exactly. The it it does. Uh, there is there was a time with Star Trek Online, and I'm, I'm going uh, to talk about now, the exploration kids. system. I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, no, I I I, I I'm, I'm I've been holding off asking that question, but. Um, there were when we when I first joined the game, part of the game's um, great assets were were the fleets, because um, to join a fleet in my my particular case, my fleet leaders required me to learn how to do TFOs better right. or STFs better. So we actually had to graduate tests, <laughs> and, and while that and while that sounds kind of weird for it a doesn't game player, for an MMO player, it meant honestly, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because so now you work together as a team, you learn to use your skills better, you learn to build your ships better. But this is back in the day when if someone said to you they got 10K DPS on their ship, they were lying. <laughs> because there was no physical way to do right. it back then. Um, and put, putting all that aside, we've, 
we've changed so much in the game in the last five years, at least from my standpoint. And I'm a member of three different fleets where we don't take the time to train our fleet members anymore. We don't. Uh, we might organize events and help people within our chat blogs and and to tell them how to play the game. But we really don't support them. And it's the it's the belief that when you go into the random TFO, yep. which I love, by the way, even yep. though some days it drives me absolutely <laughs> batshit crazy, um, that um, people don't take the time to read. And thank God, I, I actually like the fact that you've added a waiting period uh -huh. before it starts. So it gives them at least the advantage of reading the information. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that um, most of the people I encounter in the random system today yep. are there to shoot. You know, I'm here to grind yeah. marks. Get and out of my way. And it's kind of a snake eating its um, own tail, just like with the Klingon stuff. Yeah. You know, more players playing Federation than Klingon. Uh, you know, there's definitely been over the last 10 years, a lot of design, you know, we had people who really wanted to focus on blowing stuff up. We made some design decisions to support them, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah. the, so the mountain builds and where the, whether it was the chicken and the egg first, no one knows. Yeah. But you were, um, there were some really great videos back in the day when crystalline catastrophe mm -hmm. first came out where an entire fleet would take 42 minutes to oh, beat yeah. the actual event. And, and there was there were yep. fail states, and I think by removing some of the fail states on the elite missions or the advanced missions, for example, um, some of the willingness to learn more to get better has I think dropped right. off um, as well. And I think that that is probably deliberate. Um, I think uh, we've all sort of looked, you know, Rakosa before Andre, and Andre definitely now um, at our game as a ten-year-old game, and sort of realized our game is too complicated. Like it's just because it's, you know, it started out as something fairly complex. And then after 10 years, we've added system after system after system on top of it. Um, it is, it is, you have to be a specific kind of person to really like somebody who gets the thrill out of um, doing the math. Yeah. To really deeply dive into our game. And so there's two types of players in our game. There's the people who, um, you know, well, there's three types. Um, there's and they're kind of a Venn diagram. I think I don't think any, anybody's all in one type. But the, you know, there's the people who play our game um, because they want a Star Trek story and they want to adventure in the Star Trek universe. There's the people who play our game because they love the maths, and there's the people who play our game because they want the new shiny stuff. Um, and that's all. You know, I like that is a Venn diagram. Those there's crossover in all of those categories. But uh, as a as a um, consequence of how expensive and how long it is to create new story content and how much you know how much we can we can keep the game going off of the people who want the new shiny stuff and the people who love the math uh it's sort of we've moved very far away from the days of you know, a breach that would take you 40 minutes to complete or a crystalline catastrophe that you could fight for an hour um, and towards the idea of STO being a pick up and play kind of a lunch game. And that was what a lot of the random TFO design thought was. We really wanted to make it easier to just jump in on your lunch break and play our game. Uh, and same with a lot of the events that we are run these days, you know, the uh, galactic red alert we're doing next week for everybody. I, that might have not been announced yet. Oh, well. <laughs> the Galactic Red Alert we're doing next week for everybody. Uh, you know? Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, is, you know, jump in and play a Borg Red Alert. That'll take you two minutes. Uh, and you've progressed towards a reward. 
um, it's kind of that cycle of free to play game that uh, that hits that that like I, I logged in, I did something fun for a short period of time. I got an instant dopamine hit for doing it, and I know I'm progressing towards something I want, but I don't have to stay in the game and feel like it's my second job to really progress and get good. Um, and I think you've just made a val- very valid point of why the Endeavor system yep, is as popular absolutely. as it is. It's a quick fix. I love it. Oh my God, I got to kill 40 of these guys? Uh, okay, I'll change that. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Um, but I have come come close to understanding every topographical inch of, uh, uh, what I wanted to call it again, uh, guys, the Gorn planet. <laughs> Nimbus 3. Help me out here. I'm actually yeah. Nimbus. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just segue yeah. for a small bit because you actually brought it up. Um, it has always been a question on my mind um, where could exploration become something more active in the game, even if it's a uh, procedurally generated component. I had conversations with uh, Salami Inferno three years ago over this. Al and I have talked about it periodically. And I know it's not something that is easily said. And when we had our conversations originally about it, uh, and I did my blog posts on them, uh, No Man's Sky had just come out and had been (laughs) such a disappointment based on the hype that there was an absolute, I'll say it, abject fear to attempt it again. Um, At that point, Al had mentioned there was at least one whiteboard Mm -hmm. with something on it. Has that progressed? (laughs) It is still a whiteboard. Uh, It still has stuff on the whiteboard. I don't think it's the same whiteboard. Um, The 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 things (laughs) that have changed since uh, those conversations you had with um, Rakosa and with Al is that our team has gotten smaller. And, you know, our content design team, uh, their full-time job now is making new episodes for you guys to enjoy. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and thankfully upgrading some of our older stuff. Um, there just, there isn't a ton of time to develop something grand and new for our game at this point. Um, and that's, a, a, we do, there are things that we do and are doing um, that are, cool and awesome and like quality of life increases like the event system that are you know massive undertakings uh that end up being very helpful for the game the problem with an exploration system is that it would be it's like designing a new game like you talk about no man's sky it's like trying to staple no man's sky if we wanted to do the previous let's do something similar to the genesis missions it would be like trying to staple no man's sky onto star trek online and that's I, I can't imagine that's less than a year, a year and a half of work uh, from maybe the whole team. I don't know. Um, we would have to, it would involve our programmer. Uh, it would involve our content team, it would involve our systems team. Um, and all of that time that they would have to spend on that. And this is an argument that I, not an argument, but this is just a thing that I have to say often when managing expectations. All of that time that they spend on that would be not creating new story content, not creating new ships and items, not fixing you know long-standing issues um uh travis just uh, our programmer travis just built this amazing thing uh that i wish i could tell you about but it's not ready for prime time yet but uh that everyone is going to love him for uh and sing his praises in the streets uh i nearly did a backflip <laughs> when i heard about it uh because um he plays our game 
and got frustrated by something. And so he spent a bunch of his own time at nights and on the weekends to program a solution to the problem. Um, and our guys are really dedicated and they do stuff like that, but we also don't want to yeah. burn them out. Um, so it's, it's hard. We're a 10-year-old game. We're a relatively small team now. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, it, an exploration system is absolutely the soul of Star Trek. And I wish we had something... I wish we had something that worked. If the Genesis missions hadn't been as weird and broken as they were, I know there's a lot of uh, love for them uh, out there in the world, but um, I think... And they were something that we could have, you know, updated and kept going into the modern era. That might have been one thing. But to completely start over... I don't know that it's going to happen. And I hate to say that because I want an exploration system too. You might see something else, something that's like, uh, you know, this is just me spitballing off the top of my head. Uh, you might see something like, uh, you know, travel to different star systems and get some lore for doing that. Uh, and that's kind of an ex- exploration system. But, um, the, the yeah, the, noth- I don't think... I hope that one day somebody will show up with a sack of cash and say, build, build a procedurally generated exploration system for deep space, uh, and then we can do it. But I don't know if that's happening anytime soon. We shall they see. Did, they do address some of these things, though. I mean, understood. We've got conditions with Stamets, where he makes a joke about every time you run into the Klingons in a mission, we end up fighting them. Um, you know, the, the, new, yep. the new Klingon missions that's just dropped, there's a reference in there to, like, oh, yet another group of ships where are they getting all these ships from you know the, there's little league jokes in there where <laughs> yep. they, they like it's basically the, the, the program is saying we are listening to you you know and this is proof of listening to you because we're making a joke about it but we are listening to you so they are on board yep um yeah all of our content designers uh who write the dialogue and stuff and especially paul uh reed who's our main writer uh for that stuff uh all play the game they all follow the forums they all know all of this stuff um you know it's and they know it well enough obviously yeah. to make jokes but about that, it. <laughs> that leads into the fact that the game now um is on multiple consoles multiple formats um and tom yep um plays yep. on xbox and one of the things that the console players um say is why do the pc people get things first is uh, are you asking yeah, well, that as an actual just, question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the reason for that, the honest and complete reason for that is because we can't fix things quickly on console and, and on Xbox and PS4. So the when something breaks on PC, we can do a patch the next morning and fix it if we need to. Um, when something breaks on console, we have to go through a submission process with Microsoft and Sony, uh, which sometimes takes a week or more to get the fix out. Uh, and so it's actually a safety thing for Xbox and PS4 players to make sure that the content they get isn't hideously broken forever. And I know a lot of them are now about to yell at me on Twitter. Well, so we still have bugs and you do. And I, I I've seen that. a few, but you know, yeah, uh, our con- our QA team uh, is I don't know the exact number right now because I haven't been in the office and seen them all, uh, but it's less than ten people. Um, and so if we put the content out on PC first, 
Um, we do the best we can to check for it. We do the best we can to find every single bug that we can. But once we release it to hundreds of people and they find everything else, and then we can fix it on PC and have it ready to go in the console build fixed so that console gets a cleaner launch and we don't have to do emergency patches. Because you can do emergency patches on PS4 and Xbox One, but we only get a certain number of them a year. I don't know what the number is, but there's like a there's actually like a hard limit that Microsoft and Sony set of times that you can say, we need to patch this and we need to patch this right now. So we want to save those for when, you know, everything is exploding. Uh, Aaron has somehow managed to wedge the North Star into the servers. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that, that makes sense now why Aaron keeps blowing <laughs> no up because he's obviously <laughs> testing the stuff for consoles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the funny thing is, I actually do play console, surprisingly. And still blows but, up. But uh, it's more infrequently. <laughs> I, uh, my partner plays on the PS4. And sometimes when there's an event ship that we play, usually the winter one, I'm the one doing the race. And I, nice. I absolutely hate playing the race because <laughs> I'm like, oh, on this I well, can you just don't do this, and then on his I actually have to like run and do like, oh, <laughs> you don't you don't have to do the race anymore. I'm so sorry See, for all Tom, the years. No, no. <laughs> there was a couple of people this year for time. yeah. Basically, we're we're bug testing it for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, yep. Yep. So we're the doing the hard test. work in advance. I, I was gonna say you didn't you didn't have to wait for the support ships, but you did have oh, to wait. Oh, nice segue ships, into so the support ships. <laughs> you had to wait a whole week. Oh, the thing I'm is, so I've not sorry. actually been at home where my Xbox is for the last month, so I've not actually been actually <laughs> with my console. I brought my Xbox One into work, uh, you know, like a year and a half ago because I have my PS4 at home, and I, then I can use my Xbox to play console sto streams and uh yeah it's been there for about six months just sitting in the streaming room not gonna go get it that's that's a nice segue into the support carriers by the way excellent take away so um so yeah we've got a load of new carriers and well actually i think for klingons isn't that the first carrier that you can get It's the first T6 carrier. They had one carrier at the start of the game, the Volkov, which was my first Klingon ship, to be honest. Uh, first one I went on my, out of my way to get. But yes, it's the uh, yeah. first new one in and, eight uh, years. The Vodewil, Vo Vodevil, I don't know how to pronounce it, but the T6 Vokov. Um, did you guys see the Space Dock video yes. that came out this weekend, yesterday? Yeah. Wasn't that so yeah. cool? Yeah, I haven't seen that. That was, that was nice. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah we... we uh, we Thomas had the great idea of reaching out to Space Dock and getting him to do some stuff with our ships, and uh, uh, ZEF got some footage for him, and it's a it's a great yeah. video. I really like it. Now I love the uh, the hyperbole, the the extra <laughs> added stuff, and he talks about how many weapons and how many hangers. And as I'm listening to it, I'm going, I really hope they show the actual <laughs> hangar count in the video. <laughs> because there's no way I've got twelve. Hangers. I think you've still only got two hangar bays, don't you? Yeah, you do. Well, the you know the way around that is that yeah. you've got um, thirty six Todouge fighters when you actually have four. <laughs> yeah, because you now like have that. squadrons, don't you, with these ones? Actually, yes, and I we love them. I love what people have done with the squadron. We we have been. Uh, this is something I think Thomas said on stream, so we're not. This is not too much of a spoiler. We really want to make a squadron ship, like a T six ship that is 
uh, a squadron of fighters that you fly. Um, that was what the Altamid drones were originally supposed to be. We couldn't get the tech working in time. Uh, and so the, like, the, fight, the squadron fighters that we've made over the past year um, really help with that. But they also just feel so much better. Like having one or two Todouche fighters flying around was cool, but having a swarm of your pets just peltering people with, with phaser or disruptor blasts just feels so good. <laughs> Yeah, it looks spectacular, um, and it was a much-needed improvement yeah. to the game. Uh, but at the end of the day, the squadrons aren't performing better, in fact, in some cases, worse than their original counterparts. So. Uh, so, so not really? worse, not worse intentionally so, and that you might want to, tell, want to uh, get me some details on. But uh, when Spartan designed sure. the squadron versions of these pets, they were meant to be the squadron versions of these pets. They were meant to be a cosmetic difference, not a huge difference in performance. So, and I, I think it says that in the blog somewhere, but maybe it doesn't. Um, the, uh, so like she spent a lot of time tuning, uh, the different, uh, blasts that the, um, the pets would be shooting, you know, twice as many blasts or whatever, but still doing around the same DPS as their original counterpart. Uh, and I think cause that was the idea was, to give you a choice between which one that you want to fly, the original single ship pet or the squadron version, and not have to worry too much about, um, like, uh, not make a meta choice where, like, okay, the squadron version is so much better that you have to fly those immediately. But the other thing with, right. um, okay. with that and all is even PvP. So if someone comes in with the old carrier and PvP and you come in <laughs> with the new carrier, if you're doing... X amount more damage, then the old carrier hasn't got a hope in hell. So you've, you've got game balance as well. That's probably true. Yeah, we, you may may have uh, noticed this, we don't balance for PvP much. I don't play PvP, so <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> um, so, I'm sorry, guys, yeah, what is PvP, PvP you speak yeah, of? I mean, even when it come up on the daily thing, I thought, yeah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> uh, I, I love doing yeah, The last PvP. time we tried it with uh, I was actually one of the people who actually did because there was this like masterclass thing that you could do. Um, this was years ago um, with some of the sort of top PvPers, and you could get accolades in game and things like that. But, yeah, no, I the last I, I, I can actually tell you the last time I did PvP, and because Tom was there, and it was me, Tom, and Shervin on decade, <laughs> and we actually went into a PvP match, and it was Tom and Shervin against me. Twenty sixteen. <laughs> uh, I uh, I last time there was an endeavor for PvP and I was streaming. Chat goaded me into it, and I said, "Fine, I'll do a PvP match." And it was the shortest, saddest thing. Like people just like I would spawn and someone would just unload on me and I'd explode. And I we did we did make and you guys covered it on the show um, uh, in a previous episode. We we made an attempt at trying something new um, and improving PvP. Uh, with the competitive rep and the competitive war games uh, missions. And some of those are really fun. I still, um, Binary Circuits is one of my favorite TFOs to play. Um, but yeah, it, like, like you guys said in the podcast, you know, it just wasn't super popular. Um, and I remember initially when we announced it, even though we were very careful to say this is not PvP, this is PvP, PvEVP. Yeah. Uh, so many people were like, we don't want PvP! <laughs> Send it back! Uh, That's a great Klingon voice, by the way. 
I think the issue is, is that so much of the game yeah. is done when you're pugging, that when it becomes a PvP yeah. thing, especially when you've got this teamwork aspect of it, that it's trying yeah. to get a team which actually communicates. Because you can guarantee when yeah. you're pugging, most of the time you're lucky if you get one person that even responds to you going, Hi! Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, Binary Circuits, I said, is one of my favorite maps, but, like, uh, the the lit-up platforms you can figure, you can do on your own without communication. But then, like, you get to the maze, and somebody yeah. just runs ahead, and if you don't know where you're going, you're just dying over and over to the spiky glowy yeah. ball. Oh, <laughs> just so many like, times. Please wait. Please wait. I think wait. what would probably encourage more <laughs> fleets to do something like that is if, for those PvE, MVP ones, were very high in the rewards for things like fleet marks because then that encourages fleets to work together and to get just a ton load of fleet marks it's an interesting thought maybe we could uh, you know that's this is me spitballing i don't know what kind of programming time this would take i may ask travis this and he may laugh at me um but maybe we could do something where you know if you go into one of those pvevp maps with your fleet like if it, the game can detect that you're in a fleet with all the members of your team then you get higher fleet yeah, marks do for doing it. Like that, um, that might have, be an interesting way to go um, i think it was 15 people um so that was basically aimed at fleets and it didn't work because most fleets yeah. didn't have 15 people online at the same time <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think in uh, my yeah. fleet the, the most that's online I mean there's according to the roster anyway there's like 110 people but at any given time there's like four of yeah. us yeah that's kind of what happens well especially because yeah, of those 110 this... you know maybe 50 are playing the game regularly <laughs> Or out of that hundred and ten, there's it's, actually to be honest, I think you know, it's yeah, just people playing because teams. they've got multiple alts. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that, and this is that, this is not me criticizing. I I don't want to criticize, but that is something that, with the way my brain works, I have never understood. The people who are like, and I'm, I know I'm talking <laughs> to some of them, like the people who are like, I have you know forty six alts, and I wish I could have more characters, and I'm just like, but but me? what? And I know it's just you log in and you do your admiralty and all of Let's them. Let's just take a moment like, to ask oh Steve how many characters he's got. <laughs> I only have 53. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, and, this and is here I thought it would be fast. I've got 53 like characters. We... I, can, I can barely manage to run four. <laughs> you know what the sad thing for me is? I have, I have about uh, six... Yeah, about six or seven, but they're spread over multiple accounts because that's how I did it to get my Foundry missions out of review status. So I had multiple accounts, so it would get the five oh right away, God. so it was launched into... Now I'm just like, oh, this is such a hassle. <laughs> I wish they were all... Tom, how many account. tunes you got? Uh, I've still got my four on PC, which I actually checked them earlier, because uh, I've had to reinstall my laptop. Uh, and I've got two on Xbox at the moment. God, Tom's got more than me and Aaron. Yeah, I've got four. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one for each uh, for each faction. Uh, finally made a Romulan when we yeah. re-ran re uh, Delta Recruit so that I could have a Delta Recruit. But now on my main account, because um, I've got a main PC account, an old PC account, a PlayStation 4 account, because the 
where I used to work before being made redundant in the um, the lunchroom, there is a PlayStation 4. Um, so I created a few um, characters on there. Um, but yeah, I nice. have 41 on my main account. And uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've got different characters. Name all of them. Go. Oh, well, I that can. might take us for your episode. I know you can. I know you can. Don't do I have it. a spreadsheet. <laughs> so, yeah. I, have, I have a solution. Just blow the ball at the airlock. About these categories, no, um, by the way. Um, who, who, did, yeah. who did the design on them? Trying to drag us back on yeah. track every time. That's what I, I do. That's my job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who did the design on the carriers? Uh, they were all designed by Hector, uh, our concept artist, Hector Ortiz. Um, so he, I think he's put the concept art on his uh, uh, on his Twitter now and on his art station, but you can also see them. Uh, I think a lot of you did see the concept art when you were... Um, doing uh when we did the day of honor and showed it off in the teaser video um yeah and we showed it off in the stream where we talked about the carriers in more detail too but he's incredible um you know he takes all of these ideas and like what i love about the four carriers is that somehow despite being so wildly different they all have like they all share a commonality in design that i can't quite put my finger on so you see them all next to each other and you're like oh yeah that's definitely the same bundle but they all look distinctly oh, yeah, Cajun and Klingon beautiful. and uh, the Cajun Romulan. The, the, the one I, I, I don't so like good. is the Romulan, but I like the Finnication one's beautiful. Oh, I love the Romulan <laughs> one. Oh, when I look at oh, the, the Romulan, the Romulan one, one, is gorgeous. I see, because of Discovery, I see Klingon because the nose of that just reminds mm. me of that huge ship that you see in um, the yeah, yeah when you get the, the Battle yeah, of the yeah. Binary Stars and. <laughs> God, I love the Cleave ship. I'm not a huge fan of all of the Discovery designs, but Klingon's piloting a giant knife in space is just perfect. But when I yeah. see that nose, that is all I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I see, see that. that. The carrier ships, when I finally got my hands on them in-game to do screenshots of them, I did those, you know, teaser teaser gifts a week before they, they, they were announced. And those gifts were, I think, some of the... Uh, my proudest work in the game because I would I would look at them and my brain would go that's a shot from a Star Trek show not a shot from you know like the video game like they they just they that the weight of them and the way they felt when they were moving it looked like they all looked like model work in space and I just thought yeah, that was really the, cool the thing with the Romulan one is yeah. that it's, it is the nose for me the nose yeah yep the nose was actually an accident um, I, he pulled it out. Um, when he was doing the initial 3D modeling, uh, he pulled it out by mistake, I think, the top part of it, like it was just supposed to have the bottom part right. sticking forward, um, and then sent it to Thomas as, ha-ha, is this funny? And Thomas was like, but actually that looks really good, <laughs> so keep it. <laughs> Speaking of things that look really good, actually, uh, one of my favorite things that was introduced in uh, the season, uh, The House Divided, was the Red Angel suit for the reward for the special oh, event. Yeah. That suit, I absolutely love it. My favorite thing is just to float around with it. And I wish... I understand it's for, like, a combat purpose, but I wish for, like, an yeah. RP aspect we could have one that was... You could just fly. You could just, like, you know, like, glide around for, like, endless amount of time. We could maybe institute that as, like, a, um, a jetpack on Ryza. The problem is that, you know, Ryza's the only map in the game that's designed for you to fly around uh, and jet around in. Um, uh, and it's hard to design for that. Um, but yeah, I totally understand that. I just love, um, as many people know, I'm an 
uh, old school like Power Rangers and Common Rider fan, and I just love the idea of hitting that button, going kind of hench, yeah. <laughs> and transforming into the red. What he's, not, what he's not letting on is basically he likes it because it keeps reviving him when he dies. Terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I am so much better at this game than I was three years ago, but I am still not what you would call good. <laughs> you know what's surprising, though? So uh, yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a funny thing about my build, and I don't really show it off because the amount of people whose jaw would absolutely hit the floor is actually hilarious. Yeah. Um, my build, even though I'm attack, is actually more engineering and heal. So I actually, in-game, don't blow up. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of figured you were, you know, decent at the game, <laughs> rather than it was just sort of a front that you put on. But Well, it's actually a joke that was uh, said to me many years ago, and I was actually really <laughs> pissed off about the joke. <laughs> I was like, who said that and why? And I, like, I took such an offense to it, and then it took me about a year to kind of warm up to the joke, and I'm like, you know what, I can kill the joke by just, like, running it with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of killing it, you made it last forever. Exactly, it's immortal. <laughs> now, Dave, have you actually played with any of these ships so far? Why, yes, I have. Um, I've put in probably a total of 40 hours playing all four. Uh, most of my time has been spent in the uh, Romulan version, uh, just because I like the look and feel. In fact, my Klingon uses a Romulan ship, so it's... It's spectacular. Um, overall, marginal improvement over what was out there previously. Um, I do love the look of the yeah. squadrons. That does make it for me. And it's as this game becomes more and more of an end game, how do you look and feel while you play as much as what are you doing? Um, they're a great addition. Uh, the Cation ship um, works fine. I'm just not a super fan of the Cation design style. I don't really use their ships a lot. I own them all, but don't use them. Um, the Jem'Hadar, I love the look, the feel. It's like you're going in with your own battle yeah. fleet. End of story. Um, but at the end of the day, I keep coming back to the Romulan. I just, I love its look and feel. And what surprised me as I was playing with the Klingon one yesterday is that some of the cutscenes with uh, Cal Dano returning to the ship actually flies into one of the hangar Ooh, bays. Now, oh, that's interesting. Which, which stood out for me as either that was a complete accident. It, it, Damn, but it, it, it looks so good, I wish I had captured it. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly, and then disappear. But he, he actually zoomed into the bay. Now, maybe I blinked and he didn't actually go into the bay, but well, it sure looked like it's sort of the right what, point. What you need to do, Dave, <laughs> is that one um, yeah. where the shapeshifter, you're fighting um, Sela and she boards your ship. You need to run that mission and see if she flies into your hangar bay. Hmm. Actually, I just, I believe it or not, I did that uh, mission a couple of days back, but I don't recall. I'm one of those people that <clears throat> will have, um, excuse me. Yeah, we killed Dive. You all right? <laughs> yeah, I just, <clears throat> I just needed a drink. Um, uh, I just played that mission a couple of days ago, and I'm one of those guys who runs Star Trek episodes on my second right. or third monitor. So I, I may have been watching TV when I that actually happened. <laughs> I understand. I, my um, my roommate in college used to watch Voyager to fall asleep every night. Uh, so there's a lot of episodes of Voyager that I had memorized by a sound. <laughs> I think it was actually uh, depending I think it was on a comforting season? thing for him, not a. Uh, um, 
not a like negative the one, thing. Out of all four carriers, the one that I've seen most <laughs> in game is the Jem'Hadar and the Romulan. That's yeah. Well, the Jem'Hadar makes sense because with the wingman mechanic, it just takes you know, it's just you get more ships, and it just feels cool. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to get the uh, Jem'Hadar one when that comes on console. But did anybody else, when they first saw the Jem'Hadar, almost think all you need now is for those wings to split and you've got an (laughs) (laughs) X-Wing? I mean, you know, Starship design lives in all of our brains. A little flat for an X-Wing, but you know. Well, just just go for the Klingon frigates. They actually have That's a true. second yeah. set of wings to drop. Or just That's buy yourself some snapshots. The, the Bortus Q when the, the bird of prey comes out the back. That's a lovely bit of animation. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, one of the other missions that got released with Season 20 was the Center Cannot Hold. So mm-hmm. this is where Jula's um, speaking before the Klingon High Council. And she challenges. Yes, Jum- and that cutscene, by the way, uh, that cutscene, by the way, is our first first motion capture cutscene. Oh wow, really? That's cool. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if any if people knew that, but um, yeah, yep. we uh, we had a motion capture suit, um, and then quarantine happened, uh, so we we got to do one cutscene with it. But that is uh, our lead uh, environment artist uh, Scott Boyd playing Jula in that scene. It's impressive. Um, just where she looks and how she yeah. nods her head and the, the subtle details that have been coming into facial animations ever since uh, Victory's Life. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. We talked about that in one of the yeah, previous episodes, episode, especially with Garrick. Just like, they were just so on the nose. They just, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think that was actually Weston being like, Weston, you know, our animator, uh, being like, I... Uh, he, I think he saw the contact dialogue with Garrick looking like one of our normal contact dialogues and kind of said, I can't allow this. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I have to fix this. But no. And that led to, you know, Killy getting her own one and then, you know, kind of one for each character from then yeah, on. The, the, the so, Garrick yeah. dialogue in their missions, he's, he's bang on. Yeah. But as a, as a player that primarily plays Stowe for the missions, the cutscenes, I will admit, 100% have been, like, the best thing for the last couple of years. Like, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Weston knocks it out of the park. You know, he, he and Scott work really hard on doing, you know, storyboarding for the cutscenes, trying to make it as um, dramatic and, uh, um, uh, like, cinematic as possible. And then uh, they, you know, um, Weston is an amazing animator and just works really hard. He really, really deeply cares about making sure all of these cutscenes look as amazing as they are in our heads. Um, and I, you know, I love him for it. <laughs> so, and that mission is basically part one of two, really, isn't it? Because that yes. then leads on to the Kitma Discord, which was the last one that we've yep. got so far. Yeah, with the big the big twist and the heel face turn that we've been build, building up towards. <laughs> so it's just well, for, it is still relatively new, so we won't go too into it too much. But yeah, that sort of twist at the end is just like okay. Yeah, Tom hasn't played it yet, so don't you, spoil it. No, yeah. no, so please don't. You, sort of, okay. you look at it, and it's just like you can see it, and you can see where it's come from, and it's just like 
why didn't I see this? Yeah, yeah, leave it there. Mm-hmm. Don't want to ruin it for Tom. I had the same reaction when Al first told me about it. I had the same reaction when Al first told me about it about uh, two years <laughs> ago. Just, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just fits in with so much of the lore and everything else. And it's just like, yeah. damn. All I'm going to say, Tom, is when you eventually get around to play these missions, don't skip nothing. Just, just. Oh, I just don't skip anything new anyway, so I just, I just go through it all. Yeah, because now so far. Go no, on. I was going to say to Tom, it's just, it's just the dialogue and the interactions between everything. It's just, it's just brilliant. And the blob. Yeah. Yeah. And the blob. I love that blob. No. And we won't say we'll anything more about Tom's that. Wait till Tom's played him, and then we'll ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, and this is, you know, I, I people have started yelling at me on Reddit for saying this, but I'm going to say it again because I'm that kind of person. One thing that I've found interesting uh, is how many people are, um, let's say, just dying to kill Jula. Um, it's something that I've only ever heard once before uh, with Sila, um, and uh, it. It's a bit weird for me, especially because it's our only two female villains that everybody seems so desperate to do violence towards. Uh, but, you know, it's, it is, it, it, the people, I, I always want to remind people that uh, uh, it, Star Trek is Star Trek, and generally you don't solve your, star, your problems in Star Trek by pushing someone out an airlock or shooting them in the back with a phaser or any of the other things people have said they'd like to do to those two on the forums and Reddit and stuff. The Chancellor. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just point out that probably the single best episode in DS9 revolves around murder, lying, and I theft. I counter with artist subjective, and I don't find that the best episode in Deep Space Nine. I have I have deep problems with that episode. <laughs> oh, okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. I it it stood out because it was so not. It's Star true. Trek I just and uh, to... so sis, uh, I've never talked about this in an official capacity before, but I guess screw it. Here we go. Um, Cisco, uh, to me, an interesting arc would be um, an interesting bit of story would be. Um, you know, because the theme of Deep Space Nine, one of the major themes of Deep Space Nine, is that Cisco believes in the Federation so much that he ends up eventually, uh, like, um, he ends up eventually betraying the ideals of the Federation in order to save the Federation, and that's fascinating. And I like that. What I don't like is that the show celebrates him for it. Like when he poisons that planet, you know, Kira in the next episode is kind of like, "Great job, good work, Captain." Uh, under the end of the episode and mm. like when then at the end of the series you know he's rewarded by becoming a god and I just kind of like I, to me the best ending of Deep Space Nine would be it's all over everything's safe and then Cisco turns himself in and says you know I've done terrible things uh, I would do them again but that doesn't mean I shouldn't be punished and face the consequences yeah the dichotomy for that is, um, is when he's confronting um, it's an interesting he's take trying on to that. expose things on, on Earth and he actually turns around to the Admiral and says you would destroy yeah. Paradise in order to save it and he basically does the same thing yeah yeah but that 
Yeah, and that's... Sorry, I was going to say, what brings up a good point is technically, like, in the... And, the, the the special little movie, What We Left Behind, that yeah. episode, like the season afterwards, like if they were planning, you don't know if maybe that's going to happen if or that would have happened or if that was what they were going to do. So it, yeah, it's it brings true. up that kind but of, it's a possibility. It is a possibility, but they I think they did, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, I think they did write the last episode of Deep Space Nine knowing it was the last episode of Deep Space Nine. I don't think they wrote that with the idea of maybe we'll get another season. Yeah. No, it was it yeah. was definitely a finale yeah. when they wrote it. And so that's kind of that's kind of my central issue. I love Deep Space Nine. Uh, it's one of my favorite TV shows. I love all the characters. I just I have issues with Cisco because he doesn't ever get, you know, he he gets rewarded for doing terrible things, and to me, that's not very Star Trek. I'll I'll, I'll add one spin to that. Um, the reward of abandoning mm. his family, leaving his unborn child behind not being able to do anything else with them, not saying goodbye to his son. I think that was probably a punishment. No, it's not a punishment. That's a good point. um, It's not a punishment because he actually referenced that inside the wormhole, the celestial temple, Tom has no meaning. Yeah. I'll levitate you you one more here. Um, Tuvix. (laughs) 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 This is why we have alcohol. I see. <laughs> Mike, if only you knew people who worked on a game where it is some sort of playground for Star Trek where this sort of thing could actually be a mission. I think if I <laughs> mentioned that I'd like to punish Cisco for his actions, the amount of people that would just start punching me in the face and never stop uh, who work on Star Trek Online is pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll no, waste no, that no, part fine. of the tape. I don't mind that. I don't mind that being out there. I look forward to the Reddit thread. <laughs> Nothing ever gets deleted oh, in this speaking podcast. Speaking of Reddit threads, um, <laughs> I don't know if you, any of you have seen it, but um, there was a discussion on Reddit, and Thomas uh, joined in on it with the skin on Genpox Cruiser, and the fact that they, the way that they view it is Kronos One is like Air Force One. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty true. Um, Jim Pock is uh, his... I don't know if this actually happened in-game yet. His ship in uh, the missions is going to be replaced with one of the new carriers. The carrier is meant to be his flagship. Um, I don't know if that's happened. It has been okay, in at least great. one mission. Uh, we got okay, confirmation cool. that, about that. Right? Yeah, that was meant to happen, so that's not a huge spoiler. Um, but uh, I, I think that's right. I think... I think well, no, because his ship's not called the Chrono- the Kronos One. His ship is called something else. They mentioned it in the Space Duck video, but I've forgotten the name right now. So, um, I think I think I think the point that Thomas uh, was making was wherever yeah. Jim Park is, whatever ship he's on, that is the equivalent of Air Force ah, One. Is the... Air Force One is not actually the plane; it's it. wherever the president is. So when it like that makes the helicopter is Marine yeah, One, but true. if he gets in another plane. Even if it's not, you know, the blue plane, it's, it's still Air Force One. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, on the topic of models, um, this is another thing part of Year of Hell has actually given us, is very improved models for characters as well as ships. Mm-hmm. And there is a huge difference when you have a look at the before and after of some of these. Oh yeah, 
Well, I think that was just one of those things. Again, this is an Andre thing. I think he was playing... Um, I think he was actually playing Fed Missions because he played, um, you know, the start of the remade Discovery tutorial. And then the first thing he did, uh, the first mission you get thrown into had uh, Klingon models that were made in, you know, 2011. Uh, And I think he kind of looked at that and said, these are ugly. Why is this the first experience for players? Which I think actually that's what led to, now that I think about it, that was what led to let's remake the Klingon models. Where if we're going to remake the Klingon models, we might as well remake you know, Kagrin and Jempok and all the important NPCs you're going to encounter as well. Uh, hey, why don't we just do a year of Klingon <laughs> stuff? <laughs> but no, it's such a good improvement. And then you've got um, the Burrell, the Katinga, the Vorcha, um, the Negva, yes. and the D7 Temporal Battle so Cruiser have all had revamped models. And then you've got environments. Um, Kitsma is one, um, especially as with the new missions, um, that had all been revamped. And the first city as well, although it's not been a full revamp, you definitely see the difference. It's a, it's a lot more atmospheric Absolutely. now, and it's uh, it's a little bit easier to navigate as well, which and is nice. And also, because you've got the visual of, um, what's their moon called? Um, uh, Praxis, yeah. Praxis. Because I, yeah. I don't think it was there before. Yeah. It was not, no. Uh, Scott added that to the Sky File, because Scott is a giant nerd. And it's just like, wow! <laughs> um, and it's just those little details. It's just like, ah, oh, that's cool. And then they've done Rural Penthe as well. Um, but yeah, I, I've probably missed so many points that had been revamped in those maps, because you're sort of running through, you're doing the <laughs> missions. Yeah. I was surprised. I didn't realize, because again, this is, you know, working from home, I haven't been able to walk over to anybody's desk and see what they're working on. I was surprised that Best Served Cold was a space TFO because I, I knew we'd done a bunch of work to revamp Repenthe, uh, and I didn't realize we were we were not using that for the TFO. Uh, so I, I was very pleasantly surprised to discover that we just did that to do it rather than, than to upgrade old content. And um, we've also had, um, as we sort of mentioned and touched on, so the tutorials revamped and that as well. So... Um, the the, the tutorial, oh, um, all the cutscenes, the voice acting, um, some of the gameplay—that's all um, been revamped um, on the, that side of things as well. And um, turning point as well—that's um, been redone. Yeah. So now we said that this is a year of Klingon. Um, mm-hmm. What other things are you able to tell us that um, we can look forward to? I know you can only sort of give little hints yeah i can't give too much i think um the next bits of the story sound very interesting i don't want to talk too much about it so i don't spoil it for tom thank you uh but you're welcome uh but uh where you leave the previous the the previous mission we just did uh really builds into what you're doing in the next mission and um uh the consequences for what happens in the next mission uh is very interesting uh so I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to see where it all goes. Um, we're going to continue doing more upgrades to older Klingon content. People are working on that right now. Um, I know Jesse's hard at work on uh, putting some, taking some older missions and uh, making them, you know, happier and brighter and not, not bright, happier, but <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> more enjoyable. Um, so. More, yeah, more enjoyable, more modern, more up to date. Um, so, yeah, that's all happening. It's all awesome. 
Um, and you know, we've got other plans for cool things to do. I know people are constantly begging for a, uh, another, another legendary bundle, uh, Klingon one this time. Uh, and you know, stuff like that is, we're always talking about, um, there's always new ships coming from Picard and, uh, uh, and discovery season three and lower decks. And, um, the nice thing about the current era of star Trek, uh, the really great thing is that we have such a playground to play yeah. in. Like there's so much stuff that we can pull from to, uh, to make our game even more exciting. Yeah, what I love, well, I've said this in previous episodes, what I do love about Star Trek Online is the fact there is just so much to do. And I've never quite understood people when they've turned around and said, oh, I've just got completely burnt out. It's just like, how? You've got (laughs) so many factions, so many accolades, and all these other things you can work towards. I think... um... I understand that notion because like as, as I love our game deeply and you're right, there is a lot of content to do, but it is a lot of uh, flying chips and circles and shooting your face. Yeah. Well, I think it's also the fact <laughs> so that people, you... they choose themselves, right. I'm just going to run this content because I find that so yeah. easy to do and I can get my points for it just to do this. And they, yeah. Somebody was mentioning that Borg content pops yeah. all the time, and that's partially because the Borg are awesome, and partially because people have figured, you know, ISA yeah. out to the to the T and can solve it in like two seconds. Yeah. Um, and it's when people keep doing exactly the same thing, which is what I love about the Endeavor system, is it gets you doing lots of different things. And yep. I'm a completionist, so especially for my main character, I'm determined to get all the accolades. So it's one of the reasons we're going back to Defira next week is we're going to go back and try and finish off some of these things because you can guarantee when we kept running them all the time, you could never get at yeah. least two or three of the bosses that just never used to spawn for you. It's just like, oh, not that one again. I've got that one. So. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it, you know, we've really made a push towards, we when, you know, a couple of years ago, really people would log into the game and play Borg Red Alert or ISA and then log out again or do just those two cues all day. And the point of like the Endeavor system and the random TFOs and all that was there is so much content in our game, um, but a lot of it is hard to make go because we needed more people. So let's find a way to convince a lot of people to play this stuff and to try it out. Uh Yeah. And I'm just enjoying like playing everything like from the start on console, having to, restart from going yeah. from pc to because i haven't got a proper gaming pc anymore to actually play it so i just play it on xbox and just like enjoy yeah. doing all the episodes going back and then getting all like the memories of doing it for the first time and then enjoying all these the new tweaks and all the visual updates and everything and it's just it looks good on my 4k tv i'm just seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun to start from the beginning and see all the stuff that we've done I'm uh, I'm very tempted to just make a new Klingon character with the same costume as my current Klingon character, so I can, you know, see my character doing all these cutscenes that I loved back. Yeah, in the I'm day. yet to make a Klingon character on, the, on my console. Mm-hmm. I'll probably be my next one because uh, I started yeah. up as a a well when I got onto console, I got I started back on uh, Year of Distro- Discovery. So I oh, went yeah. through and did the uh, the Discovery start off point. And yeah, and all the discovery stuff just looks yeah. like amazing. All the lighting and everything like that. So they've done a good job there. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, 
that now so, brings us. Sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to ask. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, I might have an answer for you. How's ham sandwich? <laughs> she's great i haven't done a community stream with ham sandwich in a while i should do that i i tend to when i do q a theme streams these days do random tfos because i can just sort of you know fly in circles and shoot shoot cannons at things uh while i'm answering questions in the chat but i should i should bring ham sandwich back she's she's missed <laughs> it's been a while since i've been able to catch up on the live stream so who is ham sandwich i uh, maybe a year maybe two years ago i created a care a cleon character um and let the stream de- design her for me it was like twitch <laughs> plays but you know and so like you know i would just take comments from chat on uh uh you know her height and whatever everything else and she is she is a monstrosity <laughs> uh, just just an utter and complete beautiful monster uh she's um but she's her name is ham sandwich because that was recommended by the chat and then we just sort of kept uh it rolling from there i think her ship is the iks pork and beans uh, her you know her her gorn doctor is named like oh god what it's something else you know ham or food related it's been a while i have to log back in So, yeah, now we've sort of caught up. Um, the only thing we haven't covered with what was released was the summer event. We briefly sort of talked about the summer event. And that's, as we talk, is only a couple of days away from ending. Um, yes, sadly. It's my favourite time of year. Yeah, well, especially when COVID hit, it was very appreciated yeah. when we did have the winter event and make a reappearance. So, yep. um, so yeah, I know there's still a lot of people who are still isolating themselves. So, um, yeah, it's a shame that it's something else that's sort of going away. So, I know if, if we could, the problem with keeping these things running forever is that then eventually people get bored with them and stop yeah. doing them. So instead of getting the exciting rush of I'm going to go to Riza and do a dance party, you get, oh yeah, Riza. Well, I did that last week. I'm not going to exactly, do it today. Yeah. No, <laughs> understand. But yeah, it's just sometimes it's just like, oh. I know. Well, you can still go to Ryza anytime. Just don't have zone chat on. <laughs> For the love of God. I, I, well, I, I'd never do anyway. <laughs> oh, I was uh, speaking with Mr. Desperate Trill, and he had a suggestion that uh, you allow oh, no. uh, him to wear his sexy outfits outside of Ryza. Do you do you want the real answer, or do you just want me to metaphorically give Desperate Troll the finger? <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, Mike. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Of course, it's been it's been a great talking to you guys. And like I said, the the first two episodes of the show were a lot of fun to listen to and sort of take a trip down not memory lane and then eventually memory lane. No, you. Although I am, I am a little sad that I didn't get to have a 15-minute solid role-play session with the voice of Admiral Quinn to start this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took about four days to piece together all that stuff. Oh, my it's God. It's just like I had this idea of doing it because it's just like, okay, well, we're going from Decade to Starbase 1. How do we do it um, with an introduction? And I suddenly thought, ah, use in-game audio. So, of course... I went around. Just go around for it. <laughs> so it's just like trying to get the in-game audio and cut it and everything else. Oh god, yeah, I didn't even think about that because I can just call Michael Henry and say, "Hey, can I have this audio slice?" So, <laughs> and yeah, just getting the audio that took I think is two or three days, and then all the editing, piecing together to try and then do something and then get people to record the audio that I had around the audio that I could get. 
so yeah altogether it took about four maybe five even five days to actually do the edit so um, wow. it's just like but once i started it's just like i'm gonna finish this damn thing <laughs> but, <laughs> but a lot of people actually said oh i just love that intro but I just thought that it was just something different and a way to really link it into the game because our show is about Star Trek Online. And I just thought having it link in with Starbase One, because I know it gets referred to as a space dock more in the game. And it was just like, yeah. and having it come from Admiral Quinn, I just thought it, I thought that would just work very, very well. I liked it. It was very well cut Thank together. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks again for joining us. And where can people find you and where can people find Star Trek online on the socials? Um, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ambassador Kel. That's K-A-E-L. Um, and uh, uh, there is also, uh, <laughs> I don't think Twitter's taken him down yet. So there's an imposter with my name. If you click on him and the description text calls me a loser or fat, that's probably not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um the uh um you can uh also you can find star trek online on twitter at trek online game uh you can find us on facebook uh if you just search star trek online you know where the the thing that pops up that isn't a fan page um and uh just head to star trek online.com you can play the game for free on pc and xbox one and playstation 4 right now so wait Although if you've gotten all the way through this episode and you don't know what Star Trek Online is, boy, are you confused. Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and spoilers. <laughs> it's best when you say spoilers an hour after you've Absolutely. said Absolutely. <laughs> so where can everybody find you, Jonathan? Uh, well, I'm still Admiral Aaron on Twitter and Instagram. Very easy handle to find. Um, and since Colin had to go deal with his warp core as it was going critical, I'll let you know Colin's uh, at handle on Twitter. It's uh, C-O-L-M-H-O-1. And that's a zero one for anyone who may get confused. Yeah, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitch, which is uh, 2MBAD2378. You could also... Uh, Follow me on Xbox at Knights of the Realm. That's Realm spelled R E L M. If you have an Xbox uh, console player and want someone to join, is that a Final Fantasy VI reference? The way you spelled Realm? No, it was because Microsoft had a limit on uh, spelling, so I had ah. to cut a letter. <laughs> so it wasn't because you couldn't <laughs> spell it right? No. <laughs> you can follow me at Loot Critter on Twitter. Or if you're feeling nostalgic and you want to read my archived reviews on lootcritter.com. And you can find me at Midnight Shadow 7, and that's with Knight spelled N-I-T-E, and that'll be on most social network platforms. And if you want to follow the show, it's at Stow Starbase 1, and that's on all the networks. And you can also email us, Stow Starbase 1, that's the number one at gmail.com. So thank you all for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone.
captain's log. I have informed the staff we have departed from Starbase One. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. And then the second mention, again, love letter to TNG, when Archer and Tripp are sharing their scotch, and then Archer says, well, here's to the next generation. And I was like, oh! Why are there so many nods in this episode for TNG fans like Amy to be like, oh my God, yeah, next year. Yeah. They had movies and everything. They just had a film three years before or two years before. And yet I'm here as an ent- Enterprise fan waiting for something. Right, <laughs> yeah. Give me, anything. Give me anything that makes me feel like, oh yeah, four years of Enterprise. Loading Sweet preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I think that connecting to other fans is a key way to realize that you're not the only one out there. Nobody can take away the characters that you identify with. See, I told you I was going to start crying. And um, oh, that's okay. This is a safe space. <laughs> okay. Um, if humanity is kind of, I think we're on the verge of changing our trajectory a little bit. And if we do that in the right way, the future that you're seeing on the screen will happen. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for Ladies Trek Library, Women with a Passion for Star Trek Books. Diane Duane, as a female writer, had to put in, which I liked, having a, a female in command, you know, a Klingon, because um, we, we don't see that as much as the Klingons, with the Klingons. No, um, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Klingon landing party, the head of the Klingon landing party was a woman. And in the original series, we didn't really, did we even see, I don't think we saw any female Klingons in charge at all. Um, and even in the next generation. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.